This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you, Sid, and thank you all for joining us today for Messianic Vision. Well, you know, unfortunately, as everybody pretty much knows, much of our news that we see in here today points to a growing spiritual darkness over our nation, and even many believers are tempted to think that, you know, America might just be a lost cause. But is that really true? Well, many prophetic leaders believe that there is indeed Still hope for America. That is good news. And our guest has witnessed tremendous spiritual breakthrough, both in his own home state and also all across the nation and parts of the world. And in his newly released book, Binding the Strong Man Over America, he outlines a prophetic strategy that we can use effectively, yes, I said effectively, against the darkness that's invading our homes, our communities, and even our nation. Please welcome to Messianic Vision, Apostle John Benefil. Hi, John. Hey, hi, Donna. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here. I'm really excited about this call. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know you know what you said a while ago? I'm, I am more excited about our nation and all the people that are listening to, I'm more excited about our future than I've ever been in my life. We are winning this thing. I mean, we are we are not on the losing side. We are on the winning side. I know it's a battle. I know it's a war. But what I'm, we're going to talk about today is not just theoretical. You know, we've proven these things. Yes. And so I see that our future is America and those that are listening. I see that our future can be brighter than ever before. <laughs> that sounds great, John. And there's something that you say that I absolutely love. You tell people, shake off discouragement and fear and join the fight for America today. Now, I have to tell you, John, that doesn't sound like doom and gloom to me. That sounds pretty encouraging. Yeah. Well, I understand, Don, I really do. Because you know, when you look around at the world today and you watch the mainstream media and all of that, I mean, you can get discouraged. And I sometimes, and when I watch, I think, oh, this is bad. And then I have to shake myself. <laughs> and I, I want our, our listeners to shake themselves, too. I had to shake that fear and that doom and gloom off and say, now, wait a minute. That's not the truth. The truth is our Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is on the throne. And he didn't lose, and we're winning. So we shake that off. I know where that fear comes from. It comes from a, a spirit, and I believe it's called Baal. Sometimes we call him Satan, but that yes. spirit of Baal is the one that causes fear and defeatism in us. But when we know the truth, and Jesus is the truth, his word's the truth, then the truth sets us free, and we look forward to our future. That I'm is, excited, Donna. That is right, and I have a feeling after this interview, a lot of people are going to go around telling each other, shake it off. Shake off that fear and yeah. discouragement. Yeah. Shake it off. Shake it that off. That didn't come from God. That fear did not come from God. So shake it off. It's from the devil. It's not from God. Amen. amen. Amen to that. Right. We've already had an amen right at the top of the show here, John. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. Listen, I know that this book was first published 
many years ago, but you know what? Day to day, week by week, year to year, our nation is changing rapidly. I mean, eight years ago, 10 years ago, it was completely different than it is today. Um, and you felt a need you saw the need to actually update, revise, add to, and re-release this book. What was the purpose of that, John? Well, there were so many things that happened before we we published the book in 2012. But since 2012, there's more wonderful things that have happened since then than even before 2012. Because our God is on the march, you know, and. And so we felt we had we needed to update it. Also, not only have we seen more victories, but we've also understood more too. So we have more to tell people in how to wage this spiritual warfare because we're we are in a war. Yes. But the good news is we win this war. We're not on the losing side. I like to say this too: the only way a Christian can lose is if they quit. Wow. Yes. I mean, how in the world could you lose? Being a child of God, how could you lose? The only way you're going to lose is if you quit. Yes. I've got a sign here in my office that I'm looking at right now. It was given to me years ago, and it's a little statement by Winston Churchill, and it simply says, never, never, never give up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree with that. And and one thing that I really like about what you said about about the reason for releasing this book is that that you felt like people needed a guidebook. They needed basically yeah. a roadmap. And that's what you have laid out these prophetic strategies as a roadmap for us. John, let's start here. Why is it important for us to pray for our government? Well, first of all, the Word of God says to do that. You know, yes. it said, first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions being made for all men, the kings and all in authority. But the government is ground zero for spiritual warfare and the conflict of thrones. Yes. And we have to pray. We have to pray for our government. We have to pray for our president, our governors, and all of those, those people in authority because without God's anointing and favor upon them, they're not going to be able to govern like they need to. And and to grumble and complain about them is not going to do any good. So just as Daniel prayed and interceded for the kings that he was under, we need to pray too. Yes. And so when people do pray, God hears and he anoints our governmental leaders. I mean, whether they know the Lord or not, because God can work through people like Cyrus that yes. didn't even know the Lord. And, I, you know, for instance, a lot of people have said that our President Trump is like a Cyrus. I've said that before, too. Mm-hmm. Cyrus didn't even know the, the God of Israel. But Daniel was in his court, and Daniel prayed and interceded. And God used Cyrus to release a decree for his people, for God's people to go free from Babylonian captivity, to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. And it was that temple that Jesus came to. Yes. So, Yes. And, and <laughs> that's why we need to pray for government. Exactly. And and where does covenant come in? How how important is covenant and how does that work? Well, everything in the spirit realm works by covenant. For example, our Bible is made up of two main covenants. There's more than that in there, but we call them testament, but that's simply from the Latin word or uh, Greek word testamentum, which means covenant. So God works by covenant. And when we get in, and he, he keeps covenant with us. I mean, when God gives his word, he makes covenant with us, and he keeps his covenant. But sometimes we break covenant. And when you break covenant, 
you give a legal right for Satan, for Baal, to come in and mess things up. Yes. Because he's the one that's over covenant breaking. God works through covenant, and that's what Jesus did when he shed his blood on the cross. He instituted the new covenant in his blood. That's what he said. So yes. we need to operate in covenant with him. Yes. And you know what, John? Unfortunately, as we said in the introduction of, of this program, our nation doesn't look much like heaven right now, does it? Well, not unless you have the right eyes, but no. in, in a lot of ways it, it doesn't. In a lot of ways it doesn't. It doesn't look very good. But, you know, every place in the stories in the Bible, it looked dark, it looked bad, but God brought them through all of it, and he brought them out better off than ever before. Mm-hmm. So that's what I believe is happening right now. We're not sticking our head in the sand and saying, oh, everything's wonderful. No, I know that it's not. No. We are in a war, as we said, but we win this war because we are in covenant with our God. Yes. And if we do it his way, and that's what this book is about, if we do it his way, we we expect results. I mean, I don't guess that we're going to have the results. I expect results. I expect my prayers being answered. We've we got to have it. Do, we have to do it his way. And yeah. so much of the time, we've broken covenant. Here in Oklahoma, we were a center for covenant breaking. Okay. Well, that word that you said, expect, I love that word so much, expect. But what, what we are seeing now a lot of times on the negative side is what you basically refer to as a, as a severe moral slump. Well, Donna, you know, today we have really a severe moral slump in our nation, not just our nation around the world. For example, millions of babies have been aborted every year, murdered every year. Mm-hmm. We have gang violence in unprecedented numbers. We have kids killing kids at school and in the streets. And Jesus instructed us to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But let's just face it, we're not, we're not always seeing heaven on earth. But that doesn't mean we give up. You know, there's no sickness in heaven, is there? There's no cancer. There's no terrorist attacks. There's no rape, no murder. And heaven doesn't have mental wards filled with deranged people. It doesn't have homeless or hungry people. It doesn't have poverty either. So we have to go back to the Bible with fresh eyes and see how the church was designed to function. Because Jesus said to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Well, there's no there's no sickness, cancer, attacks, rape, murder. None of those things are in heaven at all. Read about heaven in Revelation. And if he tells us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, then he means to answer it. If you get so discouraged and defeated that you don't even pray that, then the devil's already won. Yes. But when you pray with confidence that God hears, I mean, it's God that's the one that told us to pray this. And if he tells us to pray it, he means to answer it. We've just got to do it his way. And that's part of what the book is all about, is learning his way to pray to see on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And why would he tell us to pray on earth as it is in heaven if he didn't mean to answer those prayers? Yes. Now, see, that'd be, a, that'd be a cruel trick for God to say to us, now you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That'd be a cruel trick to play on us. If he didn't mean to answer that, he does mean to answer that. And I expect it to be on earth as it is in heaven. We know it will be when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, we can see his kingdom advancing here on the earth. 
Right, that's right. Now, talk to me a little bit about one of the ways that we get this job done. I know praying for revival is great. That's wonderful. You know, these encounters and uh, uh, awakenings and all, it's great. But you talk about transformation and reformation. What, yeah. what is the difference there? Well, revival, first of all, we pr- it's right to pray for revival. Uh, but you can't revive something that's never been vibed, okay? Revival is for the church, people who have already been born again. And that's good. And then we pray for awakening. Well, that means people awaken to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that he's the Messiah. We want to see all of that. Uh, But yet we don't want to stop even there. We want to pray, as God said to pray, on earth as it is in heaven. So we think, how is it in heaven? Well, it's really good, isn't it? It's perfect. Yes. And so that's transformation. I like to think of transformation as, as... things on the outside. Let me let me give you just a little example about transformation here in Oklahoma, uh, because this is where we have the greatest history about it. You know, when we first started the prayer network back in 1995, I called it the Oklahoma Concert of Prayer, and it's since grown. It's called the Heartland Apostolic Prayer Network, and we have a leader in our network in each of the 50 states, and now we have the Global Apostolic Prayer Network that has a leader in a network in 111 nations. Wow. So, but, but in Oklahoma is where we started. And in, in Oklahoma, for example, our government was really, really bad. I was born and raised here in Oklahoma. And growing up, there was a certain political party, and this is not about politics. It's not about Democrats and Republicans, but I've got to use names just so you'll understand, because God, God can work through either party. He's not a Democrat or Republican. He's for the kingdom of God. Right. But when I was growing up, the Democratic Party controlled all of our government, and 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 to the to the extent that if somebody wanted to uh, introduce a, an anti-abortion bill in the legislature, they couldn't even do that. They, they, the Democrats would not even let an anti-abortion bill be heard in committee, much less voted on on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so. When we started, well, that's under bail because abortion's under bail. But when we started praying, we began to see things change so that by 2010, 10 years ago now, uh, our government completely changed, and the Republicans, all of whom, all the newly elected Republicans, all gave the clear testimony that they believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When they began to take over the legislature, now all of a sudden, passing anti-abortion bills was a breeze. And by then also, we changed our governor, and we had led our governor at that time in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and our governor now is the same way. Yes. And a friend with him, too. So our government changed. That's transformation. Our laws changed. That's transformation. Our economy changed. We had the lowest unemployment rate in the nation then. And... um, Also, to give you an idea about the economy in our state, here in Oklahoma City, which is the largest city, about one and a half million people in the area, we only had one luxury hotel in the downtown core of Oklahoma City, just one, when we really started this prayer network. Mm -hmm. But now, in 2020, we have 30 luxury hotels in the downtown core. When you grow from one to 30 
that's transformation. Yes. That's the way you see things outwardly. That's prosperity. That's an abundance. That, that to me, kind of tells the story in a nutshell. So transformation is what we want, but we also want reformation. And here's the way I see reformation. Reformation is from the heart outward. You know, transformation, it's great, and I'm for it, to to passing anti-abortion bills, for example, to making uh, abortion illegal in so many different ways. But until a man or a woman's heart is changed on the inside, that abortion spirit may still be on the inside of them. Mm -hmm. So that means we've got to do spiritual warfare because in Ephesians 6.12, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We've got to remember that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and wicked spirits in the heavenlies. I have to remind myself of that, even though I preach that a lot, and that's really true. I have to remind myself, my fight's not against people. Yes. My fight's not against any particular political parties that I disagree with. In some ways, you say that is the fight, but the real fight is the spirit, the demon, the principality behind all of that. And if we don't learn how to win the invisible warfare around us, we're not really going to win. Right. I mean, all the victories we might have are only short-lived, but when we understand the enemy, you know, our military understands our enemies. So, you know, if you don't understand yourself and understand your enemy, you're not going to you're not going to be victorious. But when we understand our real enemy, which is spirits in the evil realm, then we can understand by God how to take authority over those principalities and powers and win this battle of transformation and reformation. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. That is so, so important. I, I want to talk a little bit about something that you've mentioned a couple of times. You've said the word or the name Baal. I'm sure that's perked up a few ears out there, but let's let's start here. In the summer of 1999, I don't know what you were doing climbing a rocky terrain and you went into a cave. <laughs> You're going to have to go in there by yourself, John, because I'm not going into a cave. <laughs> but but tell me that story. What happened? What did you guys discover? Well, okay, first of all, we, we started the prayer network in 95. We began to grow. We had uh, prophetic people. We had particularly Chuck Pierce would come in as a prophet to us. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, you're going to have a, a Gideon anointing. And I didn't realize at that time that, you know, you know, I did know that Gideon delivered his nation from the enemy uh, with 300 people against 135,000. But the first thing that God told Gideon you have to do is tear down the altar to Baal that is in your father's house. If you don't get rid of Baal, then you're not you're not going to uh, you're not going to be able to deliver your nation. So. When he said Gideon, I should have known that, should have understood that, but we began to get a little bit of information about Baal, and we were told about these Baal caves by some archaeologists, and these caves were in the far northwest corner of Oklahoma in the Panhandle. So I learned about them, and we called the landowners out there and said, can we come out there and see these Baal caves? And they said, yes, you can. Well, a Harvard professor named Dr. Barry Fell, in the 1970s, he produced a book entitled America B.C., and he details, this Harvard professor details how ancient Phoenicians and Egyptians 
came to this land and they marked their rocks. A lot of people call it rock art. Mm -hmm. They marked the rocks where they went for Baal. They made their marking. Some people thought, well, these are Native American, but they didn't look like anything Native Americans. And our Native Americans here said, well, that's not ours. But it was it was ancient Egyptians and Phoenicians, and you can get that book, America B.C., and you'll see what I'm talking about. And we went to these caves, and they weren't deep caves, kind of really kind of shallow caves, but there on the sandstone by an old riverbed, the Cimarron River, we saw where these ancient Egyptians made their carvings in the rock and their their directions on how to worship their god, Baal. Well, then we began to see, okay, we're dealing with something here we didn't realize because this is 3,500 years ago. I mean, it, yes. the archaeologists you know, tell you that. And uh, so we said, well, they came and they claimed this land for Baal. They claimed the land for their God. And we needed to change all that. So that's why we went out to those caves near the Black Mesa in Oklahoma. Let me ask you a question, John, before you go any further. Now, in the Bible, I would say that most people have, have heard the story where there was this huge encounter with the prophet Elijah and Baal, and where they said, you call fire down from heaven, and whoever sends the fire, that's the one true God. That's the only thing I knew about Baal. But, wow, you you discovered much more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me, let me give you scripturally. In uh, Matthew 12, again, beginning in verse 24, and uh, this is New American Standard Version I'm looking at right now. It says, uh, but when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man, talking about Jesus, casts out demons, and that word demons is the word for principalities and powers, not just little demons, but big ones. This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Hmm. And I remember reading that times past and thinking, and I looked up the word Beelzebul and it says ruler, uh, Lord of the flies. So I, I didn't understand, but when I look at it in the complete Jewish Bible and see how it says it, it says, when they heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. In other words, Beelzebub or Beelzebul is just simply another translation of Beelzebul. So it's really specifically says it there then that it's Baal, Baal the ruler of the demons. And then Jesus went on down in verse 29 and he says, or again, how can someone enter into a strong man's house? Well, he's referring to Baal or Baal, enter a strong man's house and make off with his possessions unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Yes. So in the scripture, when you know how to look for it, you find that Jesus says that Baal, Baal's a bull, but that's just another one of his names. Baal is the ruler of the demons and the strong man, and we've got to bind the strong man and then plunder his house. And Dutch Sheets did a teaching back in January 2007 that really opened our eyes to all of this about Baal because he taught about Baal, and uh, Chuck Pierce was with him at the time, and they both agreed that Baal is the strong man over America. And when he taught that, 
he said, we need to divorce Baal and remarry the Lord. Mm. And when I heard Dutch say that, I got on the phone and called my Christian attorney brother, uh, Dr. Jerry Mash, and I said, Jerry, draw us up a divorce decree from Baal. And Jerry said, I just heard what Dutch was teaching, and I'm already on it. <laughs> so he did. He, he drew up a, a legal divorce decree from Baal, and we started praying that and began to see great results. But I could I can tell you just a few of the main characteristics about Baal. Sure. So Baal is the Baal is the ruler of the demons, and some people might say, "Well, I thought Satan was the ruler of the demons." Well, he is, but this is my best understanding. Just as Jesus is the executor of the Father's will, Baal is the executor of Satan's will. Baal is the false or counterfeit Jesus. The Bible even talks about, Paul wrote about, you know, that somebody will come and preach to you a different Jesus than the one that you heard. Mm -hmm. And Baal is a God of a thousand faces. When I say God, he's a little G, all right. But he disguises himself in at least a thousand different ways, different names through different ages, different cultures. He doesn't want to be revealed. He doesn't want to openly reveal himself. So if you don't understand um, who's operating there, you don't know your enemy. The enemy has confused us in so many different ways. Yes. But but God has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. That's Luke ten nineteen, And if Baal is the strong man, Jesus himself said there in Matthew twelve twenty nine, you need to bind the strong man and plunder his house. So that's the title of the book, Binding the Strong Man Over America, and the scripture describes Baal as the strong man over America. Uh, well, actually over the world, not just America. Yes, yes. So, so we're not, even though the book is entitled Binding the Strong Man Over America, it's not just America. It's over everybody that's listening to this call and all the nations around the world. That's our enemy, the false Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let me read one little bit here that kind of brought some things together for me, John. Um, you said in the book, although Baal worship predates Israel's presence in Canaan, once the Jews arrived, rather than drive the inhabitants out like they were supposed to do, Israel began to intermingle with them, their festivals, their worship, and that's where this covenant between them was first established and the moral decline basically started and the, the mixing of the, the false God and the, and the true God. And that's what God, why the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, God says. I'm not going to share you with anybody else. Yes. So it wasn't that God, God's people so much uh, denied Yahweh, you know, the, the, their God. It is that they mixed in the worship of Baal. They didn't do what God told them to do. They allowed the Baal worshipers to stay in the land, and they began to be friends with them, inter- you know, did business with them, married with them, and they accepted their culture of Baal worship. And so they mixed in the worship of Baal and the worship of our God. Yes. And God hated hated that. When they did that, they broke covenant with God and they allowed Baal to be their God and run roughshod over them. And in so much of ways, that's the kind of thing that's happened in America. Right. 
Right. And and something you, you said a moment ago, knowing your enemy. Uh, see, I've just never, I, until I started studying this book, I never knew that this was the, the background of Baal. I didn't know. But you're saying that this principality, Baal, is behind so many of the things that we look at today that's, that's yeah. uh, trying to take down our nation. Yeah. So I said uh, Dutch taught, and I teach this too, that Baal is the strong man over America and identified as the ruler of the demons. But Baal Hamon, H-A-M-O-N, Baal Hamon, one of Baal's names, means the lord of wealth or abundance. And Chuck Pierce believes, and I agree, that this is the principality warring against the great transfer of wealth to the church. Yes. So we've got a war against this spirit to see our inheritance released. Yes. Uh, that's It's the enemy that's holding up your wealth, let's put it that way. It's the enemy that brings poverty. And another name, Baal Barith, B-E-R-I-T-H, it means the Lord of the Covenant. Now, the Hebrew word Baal, we say Baal, but it's actually Baal, the Hebrew word Baal actually means husband or marriage. I'm not talking about the false God that we're dealing with now. I'm talking about just the word Baal actually means husband or marriage. So this spirit of Baal, Barith, always attempted to cause Israel to divorce or break covenant with God and marry or align with him. So consistent with this in so many ways, America has broken covenant with God and married Baal. Yes. I believe this is the strong man behind most covenant breaking and marriage is covenant breaking, and marriages, Christian marriages, have been under attack, and the one that's leading that attack is Baal. Yes, wow. So for Christians, they really, if they want their marriage, their family to be blessed, we need to learn how to war against it. And it's not all that really awful hard either. We just need to know who we're dealing with. Exactly. Let me give you another characteristic about Baal. Baal is the strong man behind sexual perversion. And I could teach you all about that historically, but homosexuality, for example, was and is one of Baal's strongholds. I believe that all the sexual sin and perversion in America, and that would include pornography, is to one degree or another under Baal's orchestration. You see, you know, Jezebel had uh, male and female cult prostitutes that they employed in their worship of Baal. So I believe that we need to pray for the church to be cleansed yes. and for Baal's hold on America in this area to be broken. Yes. And another thing is that Baal always goes after the next generation trying to cut off the extension of God's covenantal purposes. See, Baal is a violent spirit. Wherever you see that kind of violence, that's Baal, mm-hmm. and even required human sacrifice. And the biggest human sacrifice is abortion, and yes. abortion is under Baal. And some people, I've heard people say, well, no, I think it's under Molech. Yes, but Molech's under Baal, and a lot of times Molech is just another name for Baal. Sure. So also the cutting of today's young generation and the vampire and the goth movement and the death culture in general that's so invaded America. And Baal is the one that's leading the fight to avert the Great Awakening plan for the young generation of Americans today. So we need to pray against and bind these efforts. And then uh, lastly about Baal, I'm going to say that witchcraft and occult spirits in general operate under Baal. So does Jezebel. Jezebel 
but she called herself that because she was a worshiper of Baal. Mm-hmm. One of the names of Baal is B-E-L, Baal, Jezebel. So we see Wicca, Harry Potter, Freemasonry, all those kind of things are under Baal, whether people realize it or not. And by the way, when I mention names even like Freemasonry, we're not against the people. People that are listening to this need to understand if you're a part of Freemasonry, for example, or Muslim or those kind of things, no, 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 we're not against you. We're not against the people. Our fight is against principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that gives you a little bit of a little bit about the characteristics of Baal and what we're dealing with. You know, I, I have to say, wow, sometimes in getting all this information and things, it's just like it, it's so much information and it's so important for, for us to have this knowledge, this roadmap, this, this guiding that you do in this book. It's powerful and it is definitely life-changing. I would like to turn the coin over to the other side a little bit now, John, and one of the great things in the book is the fact that you give us all this knowledge and this understanding about this enemy, Baal, but then you teach us how to heal the land. Here's what we do now. Okay, everybody, that encouragement that you give to people, you know, it is not a lost cause, and this is what we do, and you walk us through it, and you, you teach us what to do. And one of those things, John, to help heal our land is repentance, repentance. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right, Donna. Second Chronicles seven fourteen is so key. And it says this, if my people, God is speaking, he says, if my people, I like that, this is what we're to do. If my people who are called by my name will humble, do four things, then God promises to do three things. The four things that God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face. Let me stop there just a second. I think so many of our listeners, so many people on this call are so very serious and they do love God. They've humbled themselves, they've prayed, they've sought God's face. But where we we miss it a lot is the last point, and that's turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance. Yes. Turning from their wicked ways. But if we don't understand what's a wicked, what a wicked way is, we don't know to turn from it. And just like you're saying, most of us didn't understand about Baal and what Baal does. How do we know what these wicked ways are? If we don't know what these wicked ways are, we don't know how to repent from them. But when that's part of what the book is about. Yes. And it, then God says, then, if you'll do those four things, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And we've seen exactly that. And what we developed is, as I said, this bail divorce decree, it's a petition to God. It's a prayer, really, that God grant us a divorce from bail. We don't want, once we understand what bail has done, which I've just briefly gone through with you, once we understand what bail has done, we say, God, I don't want anything to do with bail. Forgive me for participating in these things that bail does. I want a divorcement from Baal, and I want to remarry the Lord Jesus. So this Baal divorce decree, we urge people to pray it over yourself, over your marriage, your home, your workplace, your government. Wherever you are, you have authority over the power of the enemy and declare the divorcement of Baal and the remarrying of the Lord. And when you you do that, 
then you give God a legal right to move in your life and get rid of Baal out of your life. Yes, so you created this actual document that really looks—I've seen it. It looks like a legal document, and the phrasing and the wording on it, what you call a divorcement from Baal, and then at the end of it, there's a place for you to sign your name. And we all know that it's a powerful thing when you sign your name. So I just, I want to take just a minute, John, before we go too much further, and let people know that you, John, have prepared a very— very powerful resource for everyone that's listening today, and it's your newly released book, Binding the Strongman Over America, and your brand new and exclusive three-part audio series, Binding the Strongman Over Yourself, Your Family, and your community. And I always do like to remind people that when we say exclusive, that means you cannot get this teaching series anywhere else. So be sure to get it. I'm telling you, it is life-changing. And you're also going to get absolutely free, a free digital download of the bail divorce decree. So you can read that, you can claim that, you can speak that, and then you can sign your name at the bottom, which is extremely, extremely powerful. Yeah, what you're really doing when you sign your name at the bottom, you're in agreement that you divorce yourself and you accept God's judgment that you're divorced free from bail and you're free to remarry the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And he is your husband from then on. Yeah. Woo, I like I'm that. excited about it, John. <laughs> I really am. Now, John, I, I know in the book you talk to us and teach us ways that we can actually heal our land. And we talked about repentance. You talk in the book about covenant restoration. You, you teach us about forgiveness and how those are things that are key to healing our land. So I just encourage everybody to get the book, get the teachings, and understand what you can do to help heal our land. I want to go down to a section where you you had told us in the book, John, that there's a couple of things that we really need to understand about Baal, and it's about idolatry. What what do we need to know? What are the most important things that we need to know about him? Donna, let me mention this as I'm thinking about it. Uh, Peter Wagner, who was a spiritual father of me, has gone on to heaven, but he said this publicly 10 years ago. He said, the results that I see from the Heartland Apostolic Prayer Network are the most tangible, measurable results of high-level prayer and spiritual warfare that I've heard yet in my life. My point is this. I mean, there's nobody that was any more qualified to be able to say that than him, but I want to see results. Yes. So it's important for people to know that what I'm talking about is not just theoretical. We're not just trying out on you. We've seen the results, and there's a lot in the book about the results that we've seen. But trust me on this, you know, about unmasking idolatry. Understand that Baal is a sign to hold back the promises of God. He wants to stop the promises of God in your life. His ultimate goals are to stop the promises of God and also to control the earth and its wealth. And Baal is the principality in charge of those assignments. And if we want to deliver our nation out of bondage and ourselves out of bondage, we've got to take a hard look at idolatry in our backyard. So if you're having trouble with finances, for example, then understand that Baal Hamon, one of Baal's names, as I said, means the Lord of wealth or abundance. And that's the principality 
warring against the great transfer of wealth to the church, warring against you prospering. And once you you declare this Baal divorce decree and you understand that you're freed and divorced from Baal, you have authority to bind that strong man and plunder his house and see wealth come. And I'm not I'm not just trying out on you and all that. It really does work. It's a battle. That's true, but it does work. And then another thing is, since Baal is Baal Barith, the Lord of the Covenant, and uh, he always causes uh, do us to break covenant, and marriage is a, is a covenant. And mm-hmm. if you're having trouble in your family, then you need to understand that your real enemy in this is not people, is not a person. It is that principality and power. And when you take take authority over Baal, who's behind covenant breaking, behind marriage breaking, then you see victory in your life. You see victory in your home. Yes. And I want you to understand that Baal is a god of a thousand faces. Let me just let me just name just a few of the, of the names of the Baal principality, the male form. These are some of the names that he's gone by: the sun god. Bel, Belial, Ubal, Hanuman, Nimrod, Apollo, Zeus, Marduk, Osiris, Tammuz, Dagon, Prometheus, Jupiter, Mithra, Ra. All those names are names that Baal has gone under um, the male form. I'm talking about over history and in cultures. Yes. And then in the female form, we're talking about the queen of heaven. That's the Baal principality. And we're talking about the moon and sun goddess, Mother Earth or Gaia, the mother of harlots, the mother of God and child, Ashtaroth, Artemis, Aphrodite, Juno, Lilith, Minerva, Columbia, the district of Columbia. Oh, what a curse that name is. Astarte, Jezebel, Athena, Beltus, Diana, Isis. Ishtar and Easter. We get the word Easter. Easter's not in the Bible. Easter is just another name of the Baal principality, the female form. And then the third part is Leviathan, which has gone by names such as Neptune, Poseidon, Kiamet, king of the children of pride, and Python. So people might say, well, I have never really heard that much about Baal, but you've heard a lot of the names that I just mentioned over yes, absolutely. centuries. And that's how Baal wants to disguise himself. See, once the enemy is unmasked, that's what we're talking about, unmasking idolatry. Once he's unmasked, then you know how to deal with him. But if, if he's operating in the dark, operating in the unseen realm, you don't know what you're fighting. It would be kind of like going in a boxing ring and fighting against a great boxer who's invisible, and you're getting beat up, and you don't know how. Right, so, right. So that's what all this helps. When we unmask idolatry, we begin to understand this is who I'm dealing with. And then it doesn't become very complex. It's just simply, Lord, grant me this divorce from Baal, and now I take my authority and bind the strong man, and I plunder his house, and wealth comes, and peace to my home and my marriage comes, yes. and peace to my nation, too. Yes. I, this, this is a line that, that I loved in your book. You said, signs of transformation, God's way, we as the church cannot afford to be naive any longer. It's time to take responsibility. Yeah, it is. It's, it's time for us to take responsibility and not blame the government and blame somebody else, blame everybody else. 
because God says, I give you authority. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, behold, I give unto you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be any means hurt you. So if we have authority, we got to take that authority. A policeman yes. may have may have power in his gun and his weapons, and he has authority behind the badge, but if he doesn't ever take that authority, he never institutes order in society. It's my job and your job as members of the church to take authority over the enemy and bind the enemy and bring on earth as it is in heaven. But that means we have to learn a few things, and then we have to actually do it. And it's not scary at all. You know, sometimes, I've got to say this sometimes, Donna, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I don't want to get involved in spiritual warfare because I'm scared of the devil. Well, that's that's terrible. You're, if you're scared of the devil, you're saying the devil's bigger than your God. We don't have trouble with backlash. Mm-mm. And so I we're going to have backlash, you know. <laughs> no, we don't have trouble with backlash. You, you learn how to bind the enemy and protect yourself. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But we have to take authority. Yes. We have to take responsibility to see, as God said, on earth as it is in heaven. And the good thing for us, John, is you teach us this in the book. You actually teach us this in the book. So that is awesome. I want you to tell me, okay, we've learned this. We're not being naive. We're taking responsibility for repentance, reconciliation, and learning how to use our authority. What do you expect we'll see when we do these things? Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I expect... I expect to begin to see on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I, I want to emphasize this. You know, Jesus said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So I'm not saying to people you're never going it, that it's all just going to be so easy and you're just going to float through all of this. You have to take your authority. But every time you take your authority, you expect victory. You expect healing to come into your body. You expect healing to come into your marriage and in your family. You expect healing to come into your finances. God says, I'll heal their land. Mm-hmm. You expect healing to come in our government. You expect healing to come in your city, in your county, your state, and your nation. You expect the promises of God to come to pass because you removed the right of the enemy to block the promises of God in your life. John, I sure like the sound of those things. That does not sound like doom and gloom to me. No, Donna, there's <laughs> no doom and gloom in the Word of God for God's people. There's, I don't find that in the Word of God for God's people who follow Him. See, the Bible said, this is, this is one of the main reasons that I see this. This is very clear in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. In verse 7, it says, of the increase of of his government and peace, there will be no end. It doesn't say that there's no end to his government or peace. It says there's no end to the increase of his government or peace. Yes. What that says is that God's government, his kingdom, and his peace, his shalom, is always increasing in the earth, whether we understand it or not. I've got a book and that I've seen even secular book called Factfulness that shows just exactly that. Sometimes, you know, Christians get so doom and gloom, they hear people try to scare, I guess they're trying to scare the hell out of people. I don't know. 
I guess. <laughs> God wants us to worship him. God is a good God, and his kingdom is always increasing. In Proverbs 4.18, it says, The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter under the perfect day. So the Bible is filled with incredible promises. Another thing is this. Jesus said that he would present himself, a church to himself, a glorious church, yes. not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He didn't say a cowering old hag. He no. said a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's how he's making us. Don't, don't see our God as this small little God that can't do much. See our God as this great, wonderful God that created everything. If he created everything, he can change things. He just wants us to cooperate with him, use the authority that he has delegated to us, and see his kingdom advance here on the earth as it is in heaven. Yes. His kingdom is advancing all around the world today and every day. Yes. Tomorrow will be better than today. I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> well, that that's <laughs> something to look forward to. Well, let me take just a moment right here before we finish up. We've got a couple minutes left and let everybody know that Sid and I are so excited to offer this, what we consider a life-changing resource to you today. It's John Benefil's newly released book, Binding the Strong Man Over America, and his brand new and exclusive three-part audio teaching series, Binding the Strong Man Over Yourself, Your Family, and Your Community. And remember, you'll also get absolutely free a digital download of the Bail Divorce Decree. So be sure and check that out today. Sid will be here at the end of the program to let you know how you can get that. John, I want to mention just a couple more things before we have to leave. Talk to us just a little bit about wealth transfer. I'm happy to do that. That's one of my favorite <laughs> subjects because Proverbs 10 and uh, verse 22 says this, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. But in Proverbs 13 and verse 22, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So when we see evil men and women throughout the world that have stored up wealth, that wealth is stored up for us, the righteous. And we're righteous through the blood of Jesus, through the gift that he gives to us. So when we're talking about wealth transfer, God tells us that the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And when we understand how to take authority over, over Baal that's holding back the promises the good news is, is not only is the world coming out of poverty, we're getting ready for the greatest transfer of wealth ever seen. It was a great transfer of wealth when God brought his people out of Egypt, because you remember it says that he brought them all out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble one among them. The, the wealth of Egypt was given to God's people through the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb, which for us is Jesus. And they all came out, every one of them healed, and they all came out loaded with silver and gold. Yes. That was great wealth transfer. But God says that the end will be greater than the beginning. And I am totally convinced that the greatest wealth transfer the world's ever seen is on us. And I believe we are beginning to see that very thing right now. Yes. It also says 
in Deuteronomy 818 he says he is the one that's giving God is the one that's giving this power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant and then in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 Passion Translation it says it this way for you've experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that although he was infinitely rich and he was when he walked the face of the earth that's another subject and I teach on that he impoverished himself on the cross, remember, for our sake, so that by his poverty on the cross, we could become rich beyond measure. That wealth transfer that Baal has been holding up, that wealth transfer is on us, and the best is ahead of us because we're learning how to bind that strong man and stop him from stopping the great transfer of wealth to the church. Yes, yes. You know what? I, I read this one thing that somebody might ask you. Well, Apostle John, you sure do talk about money a lot. And, and you were saying, well, because well, there's two reasons for that. First, because the Bible yeah. talks about it. Well, and yeah, Jesus talked more about money than he talked about prayer. <laughs> the Bible talks about money a lot because he said, wherever your treasure is, there is your heart also. And I, w I was totally intrigued by the second reason that you said you talk about money a lot. It's because you've been given by God an anointing to unlock wealth. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible says, believe his prophets and you will prosper. I, matter of fact, uh, just this weekend, I went back and I recounted about uh, eight separate prophecies from eight different prophets like uh, Chuck Pierce Cindy Jacobs, uh, Bill Hammond, and mm -hmm. others mm -hmm. that have prophesied to me over the years the same basic thing that God has given me an anointing to unlock wealth. And Chuck Pierce actually said it, prophesied this to, to, to me this way. He said, you are called by God to unlock the wealth of the world, to unlock the wealth that's stored in the kingdom of God in this land. Yes. That doesn't mean that I'm the only one. Okay, we're not saying that. But, you know, God does give anointings to people. Yes. And in my life, my background, I was a certified financial planner, registered investment advisor, and stockbroker for 26 years before we started the church. And then I continued both my job in the church for five years. And then I finally had to resign my business because uh, the church grew so much and the prayer network, man. Because I'm. I'm 74. I'll be 75 in a couple of months. So I've, I've got a lot of <laughs> mileage in all this. But I do have an anointing to unlock wealth. It's a battle, but once, when God has given you the revelation of what's stopping the wealth from being transferred into the hands of God's people, then he gives you the authority to bind that principality and stop him from stopping the wealth to yes. come to God's people. yes. So, anyway, I believe the words of the prophets anyway. Yes, yes. And I have one last question for you, John. Are you excited about the future? <laughs> <laughs> Donna, I'm more excited about the future than I've ever been in my life. It looks brighter to me than it's ever been before. I understand as I said earlier, the mainstream media, when you watch your television, you see all these problems, and you begin to think it's worse than it's ever been. The facts say it's not worse than it's ever been. It is not worse than it's ever been. But the fact is 
that God's kingdom is advancing and since it's advancing and my path shines brighter and brighter, then I expect God's kingdom to be to begin to explode all over the world. It is exploding all over the world. You know, over the world there every day there's hundreds of thousands of people coming to Jesus. We just haven't seen it in the United States yet like it is in most other nations. But we're going to see it here. Yes. We're going to see the kingdom of God advance. So I'm not pessimistic at all. I'm not I'm not unrealistic. I know that we're in the middle of a spiritual warfare. I know that. But I also know that we win this thing. Yes. Yes. Well, we are going to have to say goodbye to everybody here. But before we go, can I ask you to pray for our listeners just before we leave? Absolutely. Absolutely. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that Jesus is our Lord, our Master, and our King. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And you've given us great and precious promises, and we take those promises and we believe them. And I declare, Lord God, that I bind Baal, I bind Satan, I bind the principalities and powers that have been oppressing the people that are listening to this today. I loose them from spiritual darkness and blindness, and I claim full salvation, blessing, healing, and prosperity for each one of them. Lord, I thank you that your angels are charged to go and cause the money to come to us, to cause abundance and wealth to come to us, and cause blessings to come to us, because the enemy is bound, deaf, dumb, blind, bound, and power broken. And Jesus is Lord. Yes. Amen. Yes, yes, amen. John, thanks for being with us, and thank you all for listening. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this powerful resource for yourself, your family, your small group, your church. Sid? So many are tempted to believe that America is a lost cause. But is this really true? John Benefield says no. He believes there is indeed hope for America. In his new book, Binding the Strongman Over America and the Nations, John outlines a prophetic strategy that believers can use to pray effectively against the darkness invading their homes, their communities, and yes, even our nation. So shake off all that discouragement. Shake off that fear. <laughs> Do it right now. Join the fight for our nation's destiny and bind the strong man today. John says, it is an exciting time to be alive. We are winning, our prayers are working, and God's kingdom is advancing. Order today and get John's newly released and updated book, Binding the Strong Man Over America and the Nations, his brand new and exclusive three-part audio series Binding the strong man over yourself, your family, and your community. You know, most believers don't even understand who the ruler and principality is over America and the authority we have to bind him and stop him messing with our families. Binding the strong man over yourself, your family, and your community. And absolutely free, you'll get a digital download of the divorce decree from bail for all for an investment of only 35 US dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H 
www.ofcc.org. Be sure to ask for offer number 9702. Once again, that's offer number 9702.